Our love for Christ and our life in Christ in a lot of ways are like these new blossoming grapes. And because it's like that, we know that there is a fox that is on the prowl for just that kind of a grape. Amen? Amen. There is a fox that is on the prowl. We talked about that. I want to recap that too much. So we talked about how the vineyard was our love for Christ, our life in Christ. And we talked about how the little fox is... One, the fox is the crafty enemy that has set himself up against our God and his people. But also, the little foxes are his little destructive devices that he comes in and he tries to use in our lives to bring us down, to take us, to ruin the vineyard, basically, like it says here. Catch all the little foxes, the little devices, the little things that the enemy, the great fox, the nasty old big old red fox, uses to ruin the vineyard of love. I really encourage you to go back and listen to last week. Now, what I was going to do is, in fact, go to Galatians 5 real quick. We're going to be looking in Galatians 5 for the next couple of weeks. Galatians 5, in verse, um, over in verse, starting in verse 19, it starts giving a list of what I would call the little foxes. And it's not a complete list. It's not um, everything that we could consider a fox, but it's a pretty good list. And I'm going to be using those things as kind of a list of the little foxes in our lives. But as I was preparing this, you guys... And thinking of diving into these, especially when you look at the first one, I thought, you know what? I want to pause. Because very quickly, when you start um, calling, you know, calling these things out or, or hitting people where some of their sin issues are or their things that they may be bound up in or things that may be little foxes or habits in their life, there's always a response or there can be a response of bucking up against that and saying, you know what? You're just being legalistic. You're just being legalistic. And I, that is the last thing I want because the last thing that I am is legalistic. I am not a legalistic person. I understand the grace of the Lord. I understand His favor. I understand also where He's calling us to. And so out of um, a caution not for us to in any way feel like we are entering into a legalistic time of teaching, I want to take one more week and set up for those little foxes. Is that cool? Okay, and I want to start in Galatians 1. Okay, so we're going to get there, but let's back up. Galatians 5, 1, and I'll try to make this quick. There's really not a whole lot of content here this morning as much as there is uh, encouragement. It says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Now, I want to pause right there and just say, for the most part, what's going on in the conversations right here is a conversation about, okay, should a, person be, um, should a new believer be circumcised, uncircumcised, what's going on, law versus grace, and there's this big conversations that's going on. And I want you to read the whole thing, but as it applies to where we're at and leading up to this list, what I want to say, it was for freedom, <clears throat> freedom that Christ set us free. Maybe I need to go in there with a prepubescent kiss. <laughs> What are they talking about in there? <laughs> Beg your pardon. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. I want to start by saying, it's cracking all morning. I don't know what's going on. I think it's because I was yeah, singing so loud during worship. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate it. Listen, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Okay, why did Christ set us free. Everything we sang about this morning. So that would be free. So that we would experience freedom. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. It was for freedom that Christ set you 
free. Listen, Jesus, very simply put, Jesus unlocked the prison doors for us. If you go to Isaiah 61, most of us are familiar where it says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. This is, this is a messianic prophecy, messianic prophecy about Jesus. Anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has set me to bind up the brokenhearted. And then it says to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. What Jesus has come and done through the, pers- the person and work of Jesus He has literally come and opened up the prison cell. The doors are wide open so that we would be free. Okay? Now we know what Jesus did. We know the story. But look at it this way. Um, Kind of a, like, here's what he did. He came and he opened up the prison doors that we were in. And he said, you're free. And right here it's saying it was for freedom that he set us free. He didn't open up the doors and say, you're free, but stay there. Because they got lunch coming in 10. No, he said, it's for freedom that he set you free. And that's what Paul is trying to teach us about Christ's work over in uh, Romans 6. I want you to turn there real quick because I'm going to read all of it. Because really, Paul in Romans says all of this way better than I can. Romans 6. And I'm reading out of the NAS, so you just have to read out of yours. And I'm going to read this kind of slow and deliberate. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who, is, for he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. Some of your versions may say desires or passions. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, For you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under the grace, under grace? May it never be. Do you not know that when you present yourself to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. 
But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification or being set apart or being holy. For when you were slaves of sin, you were freed in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you? What benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification, and the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so you can see in Romans 6, there's this picture of of being in bondage to sin. We were slaves to sin. We were held captive. We were in the prison cell of sin. But Christ has brought us out of that cell. He has opened that cell and we're no longer slaves to sin. He says that we're slaves to righteousness. And I was reading this where it says, let me go back to Galatians, where it says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. In other words, it was the intention. He wants us to be free. Free from what? Free from sin. Free from the things that cause death. Free from the things that separate us from Him. That is His intention. I think that we forget that. I think that we can sing songs uh, of His grace and we can consider all of the things, His mercies and all the glorious benefits of the Lord, but forget that there is a reason that He did that. It was for freedom. And some people will take that and say, freedom as in, well, now I have the freedom. I can kind of just do whatever. And God's grace is so forgiving and I can just do whatever. And God's grace is forgiving. He is gracious. He is kind. And He does. He's faithful and just to forgive. But that's not what grace is about. That's what Paul is trying to say. What? Because grace abounds, we should sin more? No, it's because grace abounds that we should say, I'm staying away from sin. God is so good. And that's what he's saying. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. And then he says, therefore, keep standing firm and do not subject again to a yoke of slavery. And it made me think about the Egyptians, uh, Israel coming out of Egypt, how it was, <laughs> it was for freedom that God sent Moses to Egypt to rescue his people out of Egypt. Did he rescue them so that they can go set up a new kind of slavery compound with a new group of people? No, his intention was for them to be in the promised land where everything was abundant, where the milk is flowing and the honey's tasty and the grapes are the size of basketballs. You know, that's what, that was his intention. But the people came out of Egypt and not long after they were out, it's like they were dreaming again of their bondage. Not so much of their bondage, They were willing to look past that, though, to get the good food again, to get the good water. Remember, they said, Moses, why have you brought us out here to starve and to thirst to death? It would have been better if we would have stayed in Egypt. Are you kidding me? They were whipping you, killing you, beating you. You built the pyramids. That could not have been fun. Well, at least we had good chicken. You know what I mean? At least we had milkshakes or whatever it was that they were into. 
It was the same thing. It was because it was for freedom that God delivered his people out of Egypt so that you would be free. And you know what? They were free. They went all the way across the Red Sea, all the way across the sea, came over their, their um, enemies, their captives, their, their oppressors, and they were truly free. Egypt was just in ruins, and they were all the way across the Red Sea from them. But very soon, Egypt was rising back up in them. Very soon, Egypt, the mentalities, the gods, the ideas, the desire and lust for food and all the stuff was coming all back up in them. Listen, I want you to write something down. We have got to come out of the cell and leave that life behind. That's what Christ set us free for. For what? So that we would come out of the cell, not stay there. Stay there, doors wide open. How many believers are existing in this life, sitting in the cell, doors wide open, and still not free from the bondage of sin and death? Sin is reigning and ruling. They haven't changed any more than the day that the door was opened in their life. And that is not what God intends. We have to come out of the cell and leave that life behind. Look what it says. Do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. In other words, don't go back to the things that you once enjoyed. In fact, he said that over in Romans. Don't go back to the things that you were once ashamed of. It was the shame of those things that brought you out of that. And now, don't go back to those things that you were once ashamed of. But be, um, but be set free. Walk in freedom. Walk in liberty. And we sang some great songs about that this morning. And where it says, therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject. That word subject means to be entangled. And I thought it was interesting. Don't be subject, again, to a yoke of slavery. Don't be entangled Again, don't, don't get caught up in that. And you guys know what a yoke is. A yoke is one of those things that they would, they would put on oxen to keep them plowing in a, in a straight line, two oxen together. He's saying, don't get tangled up. Don't be yoked again. Don't be um, coupled again with your sin. Christ sets you free. Don't be subject to that. Don't entangle yourself to that. And I wrote something down, and if you want to write it down, you can. But at least remember it. The enemy will always come to convince you that where you are is worse than where you were. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's what he did to Egypt. It's what he, that's why Paul's reminding us. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. And go and walk in that freedom. But the enemy will come. That fox, that sly dog, sly fox, will come and he will convince you that where you are is worse than where you were. And it's not true. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us, by the way, it's us, let us be intentional about laying aside every encumbrance or every burden, every weight. Lay aside the things that are weighty in our life that would weigh us down and the sin which so easily entangles us. And I was, I was kind of putting those words together in my mind, just remembering Scripture. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to look up the word entangled in that Scripture. You know what it means? Cleverly cling. The sin that so cleverly clings to you. I thought clever like a fox. Cleverly. He's a schemer. He's clever. He's sly. Let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so cleverly 
clings to us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. In other words, run fast, run hard. And I want to move on. I'm going to skip a little bit of section that talks about the, the circumcision. And I'm going to look at what it says over in verse 7. It says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? So he's talking to them. These guys were getting caught up in some old mentality, some old thinking. And he's calling them. He says, you, you guys were doing so well. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? And it says, this persuasion did not come from God who calls you. Who hindered you? The who is the fox. Ultimately, though man might say this or teach this or share this or whatever, but ultimately the spirit behind the man, kind of like when Jesus had to address Peter who said, you're not going to the cross. (laughs) Get behind me, Satan. Well, obviously Peter's not Satan, but the enemy can come in and use people. So ultimately the enemy is the sly fox who is trying to to, uh, hinder us from obeying the truth. And that word hindered means to cut. And I just thought it was very interesting that we are talking about the fox, the little foxes that come into the vineyard and spoil the vineyard, that rob from the vineyard, that cut that good blossoming fruit off of the vine. It says, you were running well. You were doing good. Your vineyard was in blossom. You were growing. Who hindered? Who cut this off? Who cut this good fruit off? Who cut you from obeying the truth? The fox, the thief. With his little devices. Now, the way that the enemy cuts fruit off of our vine is different from all of us, like we said last week. But he has ways. He knows how to come in and snip, doesn't he? He knows how to cut that vine back and just completely ruin the vineyard. He says, this persuasion, which basically means this deceptive, um, treacherous device, this persuasion... It doesn't mean just persuasion, like you can persuade someone to eat ice cream. Well, that would be a good thing. This word actually has a very negative connotation. Treacherous. Deceptive. This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. No, it came from the enemy. And I was thinking this week, who hindered? Who is cutting off uh, the truth? And I got to thinking about Romans 12, 2. Where it says, well, Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, in view of God's mercies. And y'all listen to me. Remember Romans chapter 1 through 11. I mean, it just spells out the gospel. All the goodness of the Lord. Everything he's done for us. Everything that we raise our hands and shout. The victory and all that stuff. And it's all true. And then he starts this transition there in verse 12. Chapter 12. He says, in view of all that that you just read in chapters 1 through 11. In view of his mercy, in view of his goodness, in view of his salvation, in view of the victory, in view of his grace, I beseech you, brothers, to offer your bodies up as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. In other words, there was a response to that grace. And the response is not to continue in sin, but to offer your very bodies up as living sacrifices. Amen? Then he goes on in the next verse to say, Therefore, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that part right there where it says, do not be conformed any longer to this world or to the pattern of this world. It's talking about the pattern of this age. That word means age or culture. Don't conform any longer to the, to the time in history and the things that are coming forth from culture any longer. And we live in a very specific 
culture. And our culture is shifting and it's getting worse and more and more ungodly, but it's been ungodly for a long time. How many of you can remember a culture when it wasn't ungodly? Okay, but how many of you can recognize that it's getting more and more ungodly? Well, this is the warning. Do not conform. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. This is a reasonable act of worship. This is a reasonable thing to do for someone who is a believer of Jesus Christ. So it is for freedom that he sets you free. This is a reasonable thing for you to do. And he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. I like the NLT version. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't copy that. And in fact, it reminds me of when Uzzah and Ohio were bringing the cart in. You guys remember the, they were bringing the uh, ark on the cart back into Jerusalem when David became king? You guys remember that? And they were bringing it in on a cart. And then the cart kind of stumbled and it looked like the ark was going to fall. So Uzzah was like, I'll get it. And he touched the ark to keep it from falling. And he, God struck him down right there. Why? Because that's not how you're supposed to carry the ark. You're not supposed to touch the ark and that's not how you're supposed to carry the ark. You know how they were carrying the ark on a cart? You know why? Because that's how the Philistines were carrying it around. You know how God told the people of Israel to carry the, cart, uh, the ark around? With poles through the little holes that were in the side. We're going to carry it like this. What did they do? They copied the world. They copied the Philistines. And God wasn't happy about it. He's not a mean, angry God, but He is holy. And when He sets something in motion, it's like, well, I, to- I, t- I told you that's not how you carry the ark. You know what I mean? And for us to think that, that our um, sin doesn't affect us. I'm not saying if I sin, now I'm going to hell. But if our, that our sin doesn't affect our life in some way, of course it does. Every time we allow the enemy to come in and eat some fruit off our vineyard, uh, off our vines, it affects our vineyard. It affects our love for God. It affects our life in God. You guys hear what I'm saying? We can't be ignorant of that fact. I'm not saying that we got to go, oh, I'm just a sinner. I'm just a reprobate. Well, that's not how we're supposed to act at all. But we do have to be mindful that our lives should be progressing in freedom from sin. Am I right on that? And I, you know, I love and hate this subject. I love it because the Lord has freed me from so much junk. As I was praying through this early, 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 early this morning, I just remembered how angry of a person I was. I was mean and I was angry and because of all kinds of stuff when I was a kid. We're getting fights, we're getting this, we're getting that. There was a season in my life where I could not... I could not watch some of the stuff that I'm able to watch now. Like, like not that I really watch it, but like uh, <laughs> WWF. I was thinking, not WWF, but uh, what's the other one? The, um, the UFC. Now, there was a time where I would be like all about that. But I watch it now even still. And it just reminds me of this other life that I had. Is it wrong to watch UFC? No. Should you not watch UFC? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying for me, it reminded me of a life that I lived and these memories stir up. Now, am I going to go beat somebody up anymore? No. But it, 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 it made me remember things of my history. Some people are at the place where they may not should do this for a while. Why? You're not ready. That is still a major small fox in your life. And you know what? Maybe it'll always be a major small fox. But we choose to, we, we, we don't think about it. Oh, I can, I'm, I'm okay. No, listen. Seriously. God wants you out of the sale. Sale. 
He really does. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you look at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, it says that, that Satan is the God of this world, the God of this age, this culture. Ephesians 2, it talks about how he is the, uh, the prince of the power of the air. In fact, it says, in which you formerly walked according to the course or the direction of this world or culture. In other words, we used to walk in the direction the culture told us to walk, but we've been redeemed from that. We don't go in the direction that the culture is trying to tell us now. There is a new culture that we're walking towards, and that is a heavenly culture. Our thinking is different. Our speech is different. Our, act, our actions are different. Immediately, no, sometimes it's a process. But are we on that road or are we sitting in the cell? If you're writing things down, write this down. We can't let this culture cut truth from our heart. And this, is, this, is, this phrase right here is basically how I am going to approach this list beginning over in verse 19 about how the culture is cutting truth, just like we said over here, where the fox hinders, or who is it that hindered you from obeying truth? We can't let this culture cut truth from our hearts. And so how we approach, listen to me close, how we approach sexuality, honesty, character, uh, and the list goes on, we'll get into those. How we approach that in life depends upon how much the culture has cut from our heart. In other words, some of you that, that are, <laughs> you know, some of you who are, are dating or single or, uh, or whatever, you know, you have the opportunity to be promiscuous. I remember those days. And you're like, well, I'm, I'm not promiscuous. I don't do things like that. And we'll talk about this more next week. It's like, okay, whoa kind of have the Bill Clinton mentality here. You know what I mean? It's like you're saying that that's not wrong. But that's according to Bill Clinton in the world. Scripturally, that is not good for you. You guys picking up what I'm laying down? See, what happens is that the culture cuts the truth from our heart. And they cut, they've been cutting. And it was, this, this back in the 50s would be like, oh my, Lamont, this is the big one. I'm coming home, Elizabeth. You know what I mean? But now, in 2012, it's like, what's the big deal? And that's what I'm saying. We're going to approach all of these angles as how the culture is trying to cut truth from our heart. Because these are, these are little devices that the enemy is using, these little foxes that he's using to spoil our vineyard. We don't think our vineyard is being spoiled, but yet we're doing this and this and this intentionally. And we're all going to sin. We're all going to fall short. We all make mistakes. Like, oh man, what was I thinking? I'm talking about the stuff we are doing on purpose without filtering it through the holiness and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. And when you have multiple areas in your life that are like that, you are not somebody that's on the faithful list. God can't with good conscience say that person is faithful. I'm not saying he's going to strike you dead and send you to hell. I think he's always beckoning us to come close. But bottom line, God, some of those things, God's like, why are you doing that? That's unbecoming of a son, of a daughter. And our grid, our filter is strictly coming from what the culture has said that is okay. And so David rather than doing a little research. Now, how are we supposed to carry this ark back into Jerusalem? 
He just did it the way the Philistines were carrying it around. By the way, he was king. If anyone should have known how to do that, it would have been the king. Okay, I'm the king. I should probably know some things. Let me reset. We're going to go get this ark. It's the first thing he did. First thing he did when he became king. You know, well, he beat some people up in a war. But then he went and got the ark. First thing he did. He didn't research. By the way, we are, Scripture says, a kingdom and a priest. A royal priesthood. It is our responsibility to know and understand how to carry His presence in our lives. The Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God. We don't live in a Christian culture anymore, a Christian bubble anymore. We think we do. And so we accept all the watered-down versions of the gospel. And we accept these liberal versions of morality. Instead of saying, well, what, how does... How does God say to carry this ark? The last thing is, and I'm just going to read this from the message version, verses 16 through 18. It's kind of getting closer. It says, um, the message version says, My counsel is this. This is Paul. Live freely, animated and motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with the free spirit. In other words, the spirit has been, that is the person who has been made free in Christ. It doesn't mean free spirit like, whatever, I'm a free spirit. That's not what it means. Just as the free spirit is in, incompatible with selfishness, these two ways of life are antithetical so that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. He says, why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit? And that's the last thing I want to say, very simply. we got to choose to be led by the Spirit. Bottom line, when we are pursuing the Spirit of God, He's not going to lead us into unrighteousness. He leads us to righteousness. But we are, we are, when we are living by the flesh, and we'll talk just a tad bit more about that before we jump in next week. When we're living by the flesh, when we're sowing in the flesh what we will reap, is the flesh. If we're trying to be a blossoming vineyard that's going to become a choice wine that God uses, and yet we're sowing in the flesh, we will never become that choice wine. That is bottom line. Amen? My encouragement is that we be people who continue to allow the Lord to blossom our vineyard, to be on alert for the little foxes that come in trying to spoil that vineyard. And that one of these days... I will be choice wine. Being led by the Spirit means this. And I want you to write these down. It's not actually on the, on the screen. Being led by the Spirit means this. Thinking the way Christ would think. Not the world. Being led by the Spirit. How would Christ think about that? I don't know. Find out. Amen? Being led by the Spirit means choosing the things Christ would choose. Would Christ choose to do this? I, I, I don't think he would. Then <laughs> you don't do it. Well, it's okay for me though, because I'm not Christ. No, but you are in Christ and he is in you. Amen? Apart from him, you can't do anything. Especially the stuff that he wouldn't do. Would Christ do that? Don't do it. Being led by the Spirit means resisting the things that Christ would resist. Amen? And these are some of the things that we're going to begin talking about. And last week I gave you a a quote by Vernon C. Grounds, this author, teacher, biblical scholar kind of guy. A big fall starts with a little tumble. 
And this is what is the thrust behind this year. We have seen a lot of people have big falls lately in the culture, but even friends of ours, mine and Melissa's, big falls. And they always start with with, uh, little tumbles. And as a shepherd, as a pastor, as a friend, I'm not going to water things down. I'm going to try my best to ensure that you, though it's not completely my responsibility, it's more yours than it is mine, but I'm hopefully an encourager, that you will keep your eye out for the little foxes, for the little stumbles, so that you won't have a big fall. When the, as, as it relates to the fox, when, when the fox is in the mix, your purity is on the line. Your marriage is on the line. Your job is on the line. Your relationships are on the line. Why? Because those are the things that he's trying to ruin. Ultimately, wanting to ruin your love for God and your life in God. Your love for Christ and your life in Christ. And I want to end with Philippians 1, verse 9. <clears throat> Paul says, And this I pray, that your love may abound. That's another way of saying that your vineyard would grow. Amen? And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. In other words, that you will be found faithful. Having been filled with a fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, praise of God. And I want to say this one more time because next week we're going to dive into some specific little foxes. And as we do that, I do not want anybody to think that we are stepping into this legalistic thing. You can't do this. You can't do this. This is absolutely no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. These are all things that are reasonable acts of service. Reasonable in view of God's mercy, in view of everything that God ministered to us um, by the Spirit through worship today. In view of that, there is a life that needs to shift from the old way of doing things to the new way of doing things. Will it happen overnight? No, I'm a testament to that. Testament to that. But, At the same time, I'm not sitting in the cell either. Amen? Let's stand.